so last week we talked about my number porting saga and it had actually been done when we were recording on Thursday last week. It did happily successfully go through on the Friday and I think you even included that in the chapter art for people that looked at the images. Uh, but uh, for people that didn't, it did indeed work. So that was a relief. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't s- the smoothest process ever because because in the interim time when I was having to use the um, use the sim with the old nut with the the random number in it, but I told iMessage to keep my old number. Uh, the Apple Watch wasn't very happy about it. So, unbeknownst to me, last week uh, my watch had stopped using my phone number entirely. So new iMessages sent from my watch would go from my iCloud email address, not from the phone number. So I was using Double Tap actually to reply to my uh, my mum had sent me a message, and so I uh, while I was doing dinner, or whatever I was replying to her with my watch, and she was like, "It's gone funny. Who is this? I don't recognise this email <laughs> because uh, my emails that I use day to day are not my iCloud email, right? So yeah. I don't know, like the iCloud email I just made when I don't really use it, but." Uh, for whatever reason, the Apple Watch uh, had given up trying to use the phone number and had switched over to the email address. And that continued even after the number port completed. So, uh, yeah, even yeah. so, the, the, the number porting situation is what caused it to break. But even after the number mm-hmm. port finished, it didn't figure it out. Uh, and I thought the way to fix this would be to go into the watch settings and go to iMessage. And you know the thing where it says, like, send and receive addresses and it has all those, like, check marks yeah. next to your mm-hmm. phone number and your email address. Well, there is no such setting screen for the watch. Really? Yeah. I, I swear there used to be, or maybe I'm completely making it up, but there is for the phone, there is for the Mac. Yeah. But on the watch, no. There's no settings for iMessage. And the watch app on the phone? No, in the watch app either. Huh. So what did so, you do? So I Googled for a bit, and <laughs> people said you can restart the watch a few times, and it'll eventually copy across the settings from the phone again and figure it out. Helpful. So I did that at first. Didn't really seem to help matters. Then it eventually did work. I don't know. I guess I just restarted again. And it worked out. Then my phone's iMessage settings decided to mess up. Yeah. So the the thing where the um, like phone number was listed was still saying that it was going to expire in 24 days or whatever, even though now my phone number had actually been restored again to the SIM card. So I'd hope I'd hoped when I originally said, "Do you want to start using a new phone number?" I message when I got the you know the temporary SIM number, and I said no. I'd hoped to avoid all of this pain, but I was wrong <laughs> about that because it happened just in a slightly different order. Uh, so what I had to do was uncheck on the phone this time, uncheck the phone number from send and receive addresses, make it disappear, then restart the phone. It showed the new number again. Click on it again, re-registered it, and then it finally sorted itself out. So. My attempts at avoiding the pain, uh, either by getting the porting to happen directly when the SIM arrived, that failed because the SIM arrived still with a random number, and then by clicking no to the thing where it says, do you want to use the new number instead for iMessage and FaceTime, I clicked no to that, and it still didn't really help me because it still wouldn't figure out that my phone number was back again. So, number porting experience, at least it happened, and it did happen within, you know... The, the time window that they set, but I feel like it should be a lot shorter, as we spoke about in last week's episode. At least I still have my phone number again now, but it was painful, unfortunately. One benefit, though, this is... Uh, I hadn't really not realised this. Uh, I got the new SIM, mainly because the deal was cheap, uh, so I just tra- transferred to that, because I really care about his data, I don't care about much else. But, coincidentally, uh, this provider, which is EE, has visual voicemail. 
So after we talked oh, about it a few weeks yeah. ago and everybody got mad at me for saying no carriers have it, I randomly walked into a carrier that does have it. So I now have a visual voicemail, which is somewhat ironic because obviously now the feature to have is live voicemail, but that's an Apple thing and that's only US English. So I don't have that feature, but I do have visual voicemail, which is better than the old classic voicemail that I used to have. So welcome to what, like 2012 or something, whenever it got common over here but yeah because visual voicemail existed from the first iphone right because it was yeah. like mm-hmm. demoed as one of the features of the singular partnership before they became at&t they were like that's right we're doing yeah. visual voicemail and plenty of other um, partnerships to come in the future and i don't really think anything else really materialized but they did ship visual voicemail with the original iphone um and then it took a while and then it eventually proliferated all over the place so yeah now i have visual voicemail uh, it doesn't have voicemail transcription because that's also a u.s english only feature fantastic live transcription um, you mean yeah no no no. You, you know visual voicemail yeah you can have voicemail transcription oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah so like it transcribes the text on the on the list of voicemails that's also a u.s english uh, apple feature so no luck here even though it's the same language and i'm still waiting for live voicemail as well which is the ios 17 fancy new you know cool waiting system so how much are you saving every month after jumping through all of these hoops saving oh uh very little the, but i guess if i'd ca- if i had stayed on my old sim the price was going to go up so basically i've just oh, maintained the okay. same low price because yeah i was paying about six pound before so and i still am so while you've resolved your your number porting saga i found myself in another saga and this actually isn't new but basically since i got my maki which was november 20 yeah november last year there's been a bug in CarPlay where the GPS location, like in Apple Maps or in Google Maps, it just stops updating. Oh. It either freezes completely. So, you know, like the dot that appears as you're moving mm-hmm. on Apple Maps, it just freezes. Or it does the thing where like the precise location dot turns into just the big radius. Like you're somewhere in this area. You might be on the highway or you might be floating in the lake next to the highway. We don't really know, but you're somewhere in this area. Which then means turn-by-turn directions don't work at all. So the directions either stop altogether if you're in like the big radius thing. Or if the precise location dot just bugs out completely, it'll tell you. It'll just start shouting different directions at you. Make a U-turn, turn right, turn left, take this exit. Even if what you're actually meant to be doing is just staying on the highway for like 45 minutes. And I can't figure out what's causing this. And like I said, it's been a problem since I got my Maki last november but it's gotten worse it was it definitely the car or was it like coincidental timing because you also got the iphone 14 pro around that time right that is true but i don't actually know because before i got the maki i didn't have carplay right okay so i don't know so maybe it was always broken (laughs) (laughs) i think so i mean based on what i've read on reddit and various other like car forms is that this isn't exclusive to the maki It seems to be some sort of bug between the handoff between the iPhone and CarPlay because I can't find a clear answer on what is meant to happen, but I think CarPlay is supposed to hand off the GPS connection to the the car itself. Really? If the car has built-in GPS, I think. I did not know about that. That might not be totally right, and there might be like some asterisks to that, but Based on what I was reading, that's supposed to be the case. 
kind of was one of those things where you read and different places tell you different things. It seems to be something to do with that. And it's not apparently not exclusive to the Maki. So it happens with a bunch of different CarPlay enabled cards, CarPlay enabled cars from different manufacturers. And there's no fix. Apple hasn't said anything. None of the CarPlay, none of the car makers have said anything. The one, so if, like, you, if you just like docked your phone yeah, and did Apple Maps on the phone, not using CarPlay at all, it wouldn't do this. It's only if you do it via right. CarPlay. Only through CarPlay. So that does suggest it is trying to like, you know, hand off to the car in some way of like using the antenna. I didn't realize that was a feature of CarPlay. I just thought we always used the phone radio, but I guess not. That is interesting. Because I, what I was going to say is when you said about November, I was thinking maybe it's a bug relating to the change to the um, GPS in the iPhone 14. Because they they move from single like like what's in the Apple Watch Ultra, right? The dual band GPS thing. Oh right. Yeah. So I was wondering if like I was I was just racking my brain for stuff that happened around that time, and that's what pops into my head. But it sounds like it is probably if it's working like not in CarPlay mode and it's only in CarPlay mode, it does sound like it's something to do with the car talking to the phone and messing up somewhere. Because it happens with wired and wireless CarPlay. Because I thought it might just be like a wireless CarPlay thing, but no. The one fix or like. It's not even a fix. It's not a fix. It's like a hoop you can jump through that thing that will make the thing work like it's supposed to work. So while you're not connected to CarPlay, you initiate the navigation on your phone. So you go to Apple Maps, you type in where you want to go, and you start the directions. Then you connect your phone to CarPlay, and it works. So that could mean that it's just some sort of handoff between the phone and CarPlay with syncing the turn-by-turn directions or something but that's not a fix it's like a workaround it's like a weird workaround yeah well maybe if you do it that way and you've started routing then it just sticks to the phone's gps and never tries to use the car gps oh that's a good point yeah Yeah. because i've also found that if carplay on the screen bugs out and navigation gets messed up if you unlock your iphone and go to apple maps on the phone it like triggers carplay to update and get back on track then you lock your phone and a few minutes later it freezes or bugs out again. It's a very, very just bizarre problem. But also it seems like a big problem that should be fixed. Yeah. The last thing you want when you're like driving somewhere, like imagine driving, and this is what triggered this rant. Imagine driving in Dallas where like there's like eight lane highways, rush hour traffic, confusing exits and merges and CarPlay just decides to freeze. Like, what are you supposed to do? Like, luckily, like when I, this happened to me on Monday, I had my wife in the car. So I told her just to pull up the directions on her phone, which wasn't connected to CarPlay and use that. Yeah, that is bad. That's that is bad. That's bad. It's like, unsa- what if I had, what if you're alone in your car? Are you supposed to look down and unlock your phone or pull off and fix it or something? It's a real it's, shame as well, because the Apple Maps CarPlay experience, when it works, it's pretty, re- it's pretty nice. Uh, especially in a big city like Dallas, like you have the actual like, like 3D lane mm. animations and all of that. But it's pointless if the navigation doesn't update. Well, we did also learn this week that um, Tim Cook drives an EV. We did learn that. I so don't know. I wonder, I wonder whether he uses a, a Mackie and has the same <laughs> car play problem. I do wonder what he drives. Yeah. It can't be a Tesla, right? It can't be. I imagine it's something with CarPlay, so that rules out Tesla and Rivian. Yeah. And I don't think he's like a big car guy like Phil Schiller is. Does the Chevy Bolt have CarPlay? 
it does. The, that, well, that'd not be my starting... go to suggestion, but I, I don't really. Because before his EV, his car was apparently like a BMW, just like a five series, so not super flashy. But some people have said, like in response to when I wrote about this, that it's probably like a Porsche Taycan. That seems too flashy. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of other options. There's the Bolt, there's the Mach-E, there's the VW ID4, the couple Kias. I don't know. But yeah, this navigation bug in CarPlay is awful. And Oh, and one of the things too is when it just freezes completely and turn-by-turn stops and you don't realize it, like if you're not actively looking at the screen, you'll just keep driving unaware that you were supposed to take an exit 10 miles ago because you haven't realized that CarPlay is stuck and hasn't updated to tell you what to do. Yeah, that's just not good. So I don't know if anybody from Apple on the CarPlay team or anybody at Ford on the CarPlay team is listening to this. Just file a bug report in the feedback app. I'm sure they'll sort it out. Many people on the Mach-E forums <laughs> and the CarPlay forums said they did exactly that. And it didn't, didn't change anything. Wow. <laughs> I mean, who knew? I thought it might be like a beta bug or something since I've been on the betas for like forever. But I've tried it off the betas and nothing. Well, Happy Hour This Week is brought to you by Ladder. If you're anything like me, you have a certain tendency to put things off until the very last minute. Dentists, opportunities appointments, filing taxes, that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's usually fine, but you shouldn't mess around and wait when it comes to life insurance. Get term coverage life insurance through Ladder today. Go to ladderlife.com slash happy hour to see if you're instantly approved. You know, I've started needing glasses recently and that was a moment that hit me like, I am getting older and stuff like life insurance somehow feels immediately more relevant. Life insurance gives you the peace of mind to know that your family will be taken care of if the worst happens. Ladder is a 100% digital service when you apply for $3 million in coverage or less. That means no doctors, no needles and no paperwork. It's all done online. You just need a phone or laptop to apply. Fill out Ladder's application form and their smart algorithms will tell you in real time if you are approved. Ladder has no hidden fees and you can cancel at any time. Get a full refund if you cancel within the first 30 days and Ladder's policies are issued by insurers with long proven histories of paying claims. And Ladder's customers rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot. So if you've been thinking about getting life insurance, Ladder is the place to do it. If you aren't sure, but you just want some more information, go on Ladder's website, fill out their online calculator, and you can see the costs and terms of the plan with no commitment. And as the cost of life insurance goes up as you age, now is the time to act and get it done. Go to ladderlife.com slash happy hour today to see if you're instantly approved. That's L-A-D-D-E-R-L-I-F-E dot com slash happy hour. One more time, ladderlife.com slash happy hour. Thanks to Ladder for sponsoring the show. So I mentioned the CarPlay bug was bothering me on Monday when I was driving to Dallas. The reason I was driving to Dallas was to go to the 1975 concert. And this was my first concert with the iPhone 15 Pro Max. And I one of the things, like I was excited for the concert, loved the 1975. But I was also very excited to try the 5X camera mm. and see how that works at concerts, how that works at all of the different lighting scenarios that happen at concerts. And honestly, it was good. I was impressed, especially with the video aspect of things. Even in good lighting or even in decent lighting, the 5X zoom was good. I sent you 
a couple videos, Maya. What did you were you impressed with it? What'd you think? Yeah, I thought it looked pretty good. Yeah. It it does seem to be better than three X, just in terms yeah, I, of I think so. yeah. overall quality. You can still tell the difference between being at five X being at one X, right? Like oh, the one yeah, X lens obviously. is yeah, superior in every way. But the five X zoom is very, very, very usable and probably on par with, you know, an iPhone from like four or five years ago on the main camera, but obviously you're getting the five times zoom. Uh, and you could easily, you know, it's more than enough to know the memory to, you know, to, to be a representation of memory. You could put it on your social media and people would be perfectly happy with it. Uh, you can even put it in your personal photo library and, you know, over the course of time, everything looks worse because everything gets better, right? And I think it would blend yeah. right in. In the moment, yeah, you want to be, if you can, you want to be shooting at 1x, but. You know, when you're in a concert and you're all the way back, if you actually <laughs> want to see the stage, you uh, have to zoom in. And so, yeah, I was very, I was impressed actually. I was like, yeah, this five X is legit, and you know, you've you've already found a place to actually use it, right? Like that's one yeah, of the things exactly. when you always get get you you get the new phone in September, you're you're hyped about it, and you take ultra wide photos the moment it comes out, and you know, you do panoramas and all this stuff and the action mode video. But what really matters is what you end up using over the course of the life of the phone. And this is a situation where if you had the iPhone 14 Pro Max, you'd be getting a worse video, 100%, not just like a gimmick of using the new shiny stuff. If you had a 14 Pro Max, you'd be trying to zoom in and you'd want to zoom in more. And the 15 Pro Max zoom seemed to get you to a pretty good level of actually being able to see the people on the stage, right? Like, you know, but when the when the 15 Pros were announced, there was obviously the direct comparisons to you know Samsung phones that can offer like 10x optical and whatever else. Uh, and I guess that you know that that do, that does make the iPhone slightly worse in that way. But the quality of the yeah, video you yeah. can get at 5x does seem pretty good, and especially on the photos. I don't know about the videos; I haven't seen as many side by sides. But on photography, it does seem like the 5x um, lens takes better shots than what you see from like the Samsung cameras at the same kind of zoom level. So I think the trade-offs that Apple made have come out pretty well. And, you know, it's not 10x, but a 5x optical, you could zoom in, you could see the people on the stage, which is ultimately what you cared about, right? So the picture or the picture and video quality, I think, is better than the 3x. And it's also the difference between 3x and 5x when you're at a concert is bigger than you think. So if I would have gone to this concert with the iPhone 14 Pro Max, I don't even know how much 3x video I would have taken because it doesn't really get you close enough to the stage to kind of crop out the fans that are in front of you the video quality and picture quality was worse and at that point it's not really worth it if you're not going to get right up to be able to see just the band on stage and you're going to make those compromises in photo and video quality you are probably better off just shooting at 1x but with the iphone 15 pro max that all that all changes our seats were like in the the lower bowl like the 100 level like in a it was in like a arena like a basketball arena so we were close but we weren't like on the barricade front row because people who were barricade front row at the show had been camping outside for like 18 hours or something <laughs> that's that's not me they've been camping out there since 1975 <laughs> god bless yes they had but <laughs> the now you've you've made me lose my train of thought with that that awful joke <laughs> But one thing I did notice is like the, the the videos varied quite a bit based on lighting and good lighting, which like just normal bright stage lights, they were excellent. But one thing it really hated was pink lighting. It's like when the screen behind the band was all pink 
and all the accent lighting around the stage was pink. The iPhone 15 Pro Max hated that. The video was super grainy in comparison to other lighting. The focus was weird. I don't know, I didn't even realize that the quality could vary based on the color of the lighting, not just the amount of the lighting. But that was kind of cool to find out. Something else I learned is that video zoom is limited to 15x on the Pro Max, so you can't go all the way out to 25x like you can for a picture. And I guess this has been there's always been a difference between the max zoom for video compared to pictures, but I guess I never realized that because what yours is limited to 9x for video. Yeah, mine I can do 15x. So I have the 14 Pro, right? So it does optically it goes to 3x. But like on photos, I can go up to 15x. On videos, I can go up to 9. I think it's probably like a like that when you take photos, it's doing more processing than when you take videos. So to yeah. keep the same like mm-hmm. relative quality, they can't let you zoom in as much on digital zoom. That'd be my guess. I tried to use action mode to improve the stabilization a little bit, but that didn't work because it said more light required. But overall, the stabilization was surprisingly good when zoomed in at 5x. Yeah, I mean, it the Pro of- Max has the... Um- the 3D yeah. OIS, mm-hmm. right? Yep. It so kind it of fell off a cliff a little bit once you went beyond 5X. It was still good, but it was definitely more shaky cam style footage. But one thing with video that really threw me off after the fact when I went to watch some of the videos I took is the difference in audio quality when you're zoomed in with the telephoto camera versus when you zoom out to the main camera with 1X. When you zoom out to 1X, there's a more just rich and full sound then when you zoom in with 5x it's more like compressed more mono style sound and apparently there's a setting in the settings app under camera for something called record stereo sound during videos and i did not know this was a thing when i tested it after the fact recording videos at 1x then 5x disabling this basically made it fall back to what you would get with the setting enabled at 5x, if that makes sense. Yeah, because the setting's called record stereo sound, but turning it off also disables this like audio zoom feature. This yeah. was first mm-hmm. introduced with the iPhone 11, and it was like touted as a feature, right? So like the idea is if you t- if you're doing a video and you're zoomed out, you kind of get the ambience of the environment, and then if you zoom in, it tries to focus what you can hear on exactly what you've zoomed into. Which I guess in some circumstances is what you want. Like if you're in a busy, like, I don't know, crowded street and you're zooming in on a person, yeah. you kind of want to promote their voice and diminish the background. Uh, but in other circumstances, like when you're at a concert, just because you're zooming in, you still kind of want the full room ambience, right? You don't yeah, exactly. Like, you're not really trying to zoom in onto the person. Presumably um, the sound but, engineer has balanced the audio. Yeah, exa- exactly, right? Um, and so in that circumstance, you want that to be off, but it's not called like audio zoom the setting it's called record stereo sound because it's embedded in the same feature as recording from both two microphones at the same time rather than mono audio Uh, and it's only available to turn on and off in the settings app not available in the camera app itself so it's pretty hidden and it's not really like available to toggle on the fly so and because it's like not really labeled and because this is a feature like the audio zoom thing was like iphone 11 people kind of forgot about it and people these days would literally have no idea about it right and like because you sent that video to me and you're like the sound's different i'm like i bet that's audio zoom um but like i couldn't remember what the feature was called like i was blanking on audio zoom is yeah. like the brand name so i was trying to google and i was like does this exist i'm sure i remember this and then i was like looking in the settings and i saw record stereo sound but i couldn't see like a zoom audio option so mm-hmm. i couldn't 100 percent say that's what it was and then you eventually found like a, 
uh, support page that mentioned that audio zoom is encompassed inside of the stereo sound feature. Because it's jarring when you go from recording in the same video, you're recording at 1x, then you zoom all the way into 5x, then you zoom back out to 1x. Like those changes in the sound are, it doesn't ruin the video, but it would have been nice to know about this setting or remember this setting before I took all those videos. Because overall, the sound quality on an iPhone now when you're recording at concerts is really good compared to what it used to be. But that inconsistency is a big it's it's a big difference. And yeah, and it doesn't feel like a... If it was like significant enough, that it could justify putting another little circular toggle for it when you're in video yeah. mode. Because they have like flashlight or like the torch control. Then they have the action mode icon. And then there's a big blank space. And then you have the time for, you know, the readout of how long you've been recording for. It wouldn't hurt them too much to just put another little circle up there. It would be for sound options. One thing I realized too is that these files get big. Like I have a 75 second clip from the concert at 4K, 60 frames per second, and it's 720 megabytes. That makes me really glad that I got the 512 gigabyte iPhone this year <laughs> instead of the 128 gigabyte that I got last year. Yeah, I still record most stuff at 1080 mainly for that reason. Well, I think 1080 is the default still because my wife took videos too and hers, I was like, why are yours not worse, but like clearly lower quality than mine? And then I realized that she was at 1080p and I was at 4K. Yeah, you don't have to take much video to use up a lot of space. In terms of photos, I think 5X is good, but it's hard at a concert just because people are moving around so much. Like, it depends on the concert you go to, obviously, but the 1975, Maddie Healy is moving around the stage like a madman doing all kinds of weird stuff. So you kind of have to act quick. And that was actually a good use of the action button. I've had my phone in my pocket hit the button as I was bringing the phone out of the pocket and take the picture instead of bringing the phone, then swiping on the lock screen or holding down the lock screen icon to launch camera. So that was probably one of the first times I've actually found the action button linked to the camera useful. Another thing with the 15 Pro Max is the like the three different focal length options you now have where you can tap to switch between 24, 28, and 35 millimeter. I had this default set to 35 millimeter and... This was a mistake for a concert, I think, because I don't think the 1X versus 1.5X made a big enough difference to notice, to to make up for the difference in quality. Because 1.5X is still good, but all of the magic that Apple's doing behind the scenes to make 1.5X looks good, look good, kind of falls down in lower lighting, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. In perfect lighting, 1.5X looks just as good as 1X. But in lower lighting... That's not really the case. So if you're going to a concert or going to anything indoors, I would make sure you have that toggle set to 1x by default. And I think you mentioned something about like um, you know, like exposure controls or whatever because obviously when you're at uh, a yeah. concert, it like blows the lights out quite often. That's another thing too is you can control the exposure manually, you know, in the photos that or the camera app where you tap and you pull down to lower the exposure. Which that's fine, but it doesn't, it adds another step before you can get the picture or video looking exactly how you want it. So after the concert, I was reading about like concert photography tips and stuff. And I found out that in the settings app under camera, under preserve settings, there's another toggle (laughs) for something called exposure adjustment, where you can set the exposure and it stays the same 
Like it preserves the setting from every picture and video you take. So I think the idea here is that you'd enable this, lower the exposure, like when you start taking pictures and videos at the concert, and then turn it back to normal after the fact, if that makes sense. I don't know. I'll have to try this more, but that seems like a solution to avoiding the whole tap and hold and pull down gesture. Yeah, I've just turned it on and it actually changes the status bar. So you know, before I just mentioned it shows torch and action mode. Well, now action mode goes over to the right and it actually puts the exposure number in, like the exposure adjustment in the top bars, like a little little icon thing. So I don't know exactly how this will help or how it works, but I'm definitely going to try it next time. You can also, which I just realized, so you know you can do the tap on the screen and then slide that way. Before you record, you can swipe up and a bar at the bottom appears, which also includes an exposure control. So you can do it before you start going as well, if you want like a side-to-side action. Oh yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, the camera app has a lot of random stuff in it. It has a lot of random stuff, but then also some other random stuff hidden in the settings app, which is, it's confusing. Yeah. I kind of feel like they probably need to somehow get a way to get everything exposed inside camera itself. Like, in that black space at the top, just have a dot, dot, dot button that just reveals all the settings, at the very least, right? Like, so you don't have to dive into settings. Or at least let you change, let you change what some of the toggles do. You Mm. know, like, I don't really want, like, the live photos button there, for instance. I just want live photos on by default all the time. So let me put something else where that live photos button is. I'm always scared by the live photos button because I'm scared I accidentally turn it off and I don't notice. Yeah, I mean... Like, I just that, wish it was stuck on. Yeah. The Heath... What is it? Heath Max? Is that what it's called? The new... That's like, what they call it. <laughs> 48 megapixel thing. That's really useful at a concert when you're taking 1x pictures just to get the most high... Almost, because it's not pro raw, but it's super high resolution 48 megapixel picture that you can go in after the fact and actually crop it zoom in more than you can otherwise but every time in the camera app you have to tap in that upper right corner to enable the heath max setting there's like no way to tell it to set it as a default even temporarily because really? i know you don't really want it. no i think you're wrong about a, that i don't think i am looking because in the settings app go to what is so it you formats pro room, so you put heath max as default all that does is change the button in the upper right corner to show Heath Max. Because if you set it to like Pro Raw for up to 48 preserve. megapixel, that See, button I, changes. So I think in addition to that, go back to Preserve Settings, and then you have to turn on Pro Raw and Resolution Control. But read the text under that. Yeah, preserve the Pro Raw and Resolution Control setting rather than automatically reset. So okay, so you've so you've so you've. So you're in. You've turned on the Pro Raw, the Pro Default, right to Heath Max. Yes. Mm-hmm. So now go back a screen. So your main okay. camera settings. Then go to Preserve Settings. Oh. Then scroll all the way down, and then there's Resolution Control. Preserve the Pro Raw and Resolution Control setting. So if I okay, so let's go back to the camera app, toggle it on. Yeah. Now it will stay on Heath Max all the time. Take a picture. Okay. Then exit the camera app. Come back. Well, yep. You're right. I was wrong. I mean, I don't know why the the options are spread across two different. Exactly. Panes. Yeah. I mean, it's stupid, but you can do it. Huh? I'm learning. I'm learning a lot today. Yeah. I'm sure other people are too, because that makes no sense. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, but that is how you do it. <sighs> All right. <laughs> Happy Hour this week is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. 
Every potential new hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available so you can make a decision with confidence. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people that you want to talk to faster and for free. LinkedIn is just so ubiquitous. My brother started his first job out of uni last year and I know that LinkedIn was one of the places that he went through, for instance. So go on LinkedIn Jobs at linkedin.com slash happy hour and create a free job post in just minutes. Making a job post is really easy. You just get started with the title, job description, place of work and employment type. And you can also then list the necessary skills that you're looking for. And when you add your job post, you can add the job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word even more to signal directly that you're hiring and boosting the reach across your personal network so they can help you connect to the right people. When you make the job post, add screen questions to filter and focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience for what you're looking for so you can target the most qualified applicants and quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. And that's just some of the reasons why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs the number one job site in delivering quality hires compared to the leading competition. Find the right team member who can accelerate your business's growth. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash happy hour. That's linkedin.com slash happy hour to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for sponsoring the show. Another thing with photos, though, and Jason Snell pointed this out on Upgrade and in his iPhone 15 Pro review last week, I think. When you zoom in for a photo beyond, I'd say, like 10x, and you're taking a picture of a face or text, there's some weird processing going on. So in my case, I zoomed in on Maddie Healy and took like an up-close picture. I think it was around 15x, and like the eyes are like morphed. The microphone is like inside his nose and the nose is like gone kind of his lips are kind of gone it's weird i sent it to you and i think you kind of concurred that something's not quite right it's some sort of processing it looks ai you know like generative something or other kind of but maybe it's just like a really really like restrained version of it um yeah and they only turn it on when you zoom in a lot or something yeah because in Jason's example, too, he was all the way out at 25x, and he took a picture at a football game of a player's helmet. And on the text, you can see where like the logo is distorted. The text on the back of the player's jersey is really distorted. And it's not distorted just to the fact, just to the point where it's like grainy. It's just, I mean, it's just wrong. It's like the letter forms are different, which you see on yeah, exactly. AI-generated photos all the time like they they never get the text right and like it just messes up the way the the characters are yeah like this is where it looks the most like the other ones i wasn't sure if it was just like the way that it just like you know the mosaic nature of being on digital zoom but the the fact that the text is literally transformed into other letters essentially or like an amalgamation of spaghetti on the back of the helmet there because uh, the example from jason snell there's one person's helmet that's in focus it just says cal on the back and then the other person's helmet is just like a jumble of lines which is like it looks ai influenced 100 percent. all in all though i think i was i was pleasantly surprised at how well most of these videos and pictures turned out and i also obviously learned a lot both beforehand and now just talking to the wonderful benjamin mayo about settings hey. <laughs> but apple should add like a dedicated concert mode option of some sort 
that kind of does all of this by default, gets rid of those weird stereo sound audio zoom features or does something to make that transition sound better or something do the exposure toggles or do them automatically just lower the exposure and know that the exposure like the lighting is going to be blown out because of the stage lights because you basically have to go in and change all of these settings but in normal day-to-day life you probably don't want some of these settings enabled like i don't want to take pictures in heath max all the time because it adds like a second to the to the process after you press the capture button but at a concert or really in any sort of like big landscape moment where you're trying to capture a bunch of detail of a big like a big stage i'd like that extra quality because then i have more freedom after the fact to go in and to go in and crop and zoom in and all of that yeah so some sort of concert mode would be nice or like a thing where you could like set your own presets. So like yeah. you have like a collection yeah, yeah. of settings that you could label like concert and then you could just go onto that lens or whatever and then switch back afterwards. Because concert mode yeah. might be too specific for one situation because I'm That's sure true. somebody else yeah. could say like, I was at a baseball game and I wanted these set of settings. So like yeah. a good evolution would be like, you choose rather than the weird like toggles of just preserve or not preserve, you want like these eight settings all the time when you're in this particular you know, settings preset mode or whatever they want to call it. Doesn't feel too far fetched in the the long arc of time. But overall, I'd say the the um six, the five X lens did you pretty well. Yeah, I liked it. I'm going to Austin City Limits this weekend, which is more concerts, and that's going to be like a different setup. Like it's outdoors. You'll be even further back, I presume. Oh yeah, going to be yeah, going to be way farther back. And that's kind of a situation where it doesn't matter if you had five X or ten X, you're probably exactly. not really going to be that's useful. What I was say. <laughs> it's going to be like more what's the word like artistic pictures or like fully zoomed out kind of capture the entire moment pictures so yeah. i imagine i'll be using the 48 megapixel more probably no real videos different lighting like the vast majority of the shows are during the day so i'm curious to see how those pictures turn out compared to the heath max pictures pictures i took at the 1975 and the 1975 are playing at acl too so i can play with that too and get some maybe get some videos that aren't messed up in terms of sound yeah overall impressed i was i went back and compared them to some of the videos and pictures i've taken at previous concerts and it's definitely better and i think the key too is like in three or four years when i go back and look at these videos will i hate them and i don't think so because i don't hate the videos and pictures i took at concerts three or four years ago it's just an evolution and this happens to be i think a bigger evolution than normal like you said, it's nice finding an actual use case for 5X beyond just taking pictures of your dog or something. So we have good news for iPhone 12 users in France. The iPhone 12 is safe to use again, if it ever was really unsafe. Because <laughs> Apple says that iOS 17.1 has some changes to off-body radiation to come into <laughs> compliance with whatever unstandardized test the french government used to claim the iphone 12 was unsafe yeah apple isn't happy this is bizarre friends. yeah <laughs> basically in apple support document they what they did was when your iphone is like sitting on a table i think or off your body basically so not in your pocket not like up to your ear not even in your hands but on a table they've lowered the amount of i guess i don't even know how to explain this 
basically the radios lowered, work yeah. harder when their phone knows that you're not next to your face exactly so yeah there's some international standard for how much radiation or you know the phone is allowed to generate when it's talking to cell towers but when it's talking to cell towers uses a lot of power and yeah. you generally want to connect to cell towers uh, when the phone's there because you want to be able to make calls and receive calls right so what apple does is and i think most phones do this when your phone's near your face they lower the output power because it's near your body and they have to comply with the regulation but then when the phone is left on the table or off your body and however the off body detection feature decides uh, then it boosts the radio slightly which produces more radiation and that means that there's slightly more energy transmission when the device is far away from you than when it's within close contact to your body and what apple says is basically the french regulatory body was not accounting for the off body the difference between on body and off body so they were basically measuring it when it was on a table and saying that it's too high they weren't accounting for the fact that when you do hold it to your face it lowers the output radiation and so what this ios 17 release basically does is turn off the off body detection set so no one in france gets the boosted power output <laughs> they only get the redu- the reduced power output and they say that the impact is expected to be small so specifically they say the change in antenna transmit power may result in slightly lower cellular performance in certain off-body use cases the vast majority of users are not expected to notice any impact so if you happen to live in an area of coverage where cellular signal is low maybe before you'd be able to get a phone call when the phone was on the table and you can no longer do that Uh, but that's what they had to do to comply with the french regulation it isn't clear to me whether the french regulation didn't like work differently when the iphone 12 was released yeah because like how did it get approval in the first place because apple says that since the launch of the iphone 12 it's been certified and recognized as meeting or exceeding all of these regulations and standards around the world did france just not test it (laughs) yeah when, when it was released like and why is this iphone 12 only why is is it something specific about the iPhone 12 or have they just not gotten to the process of yeah, testing France the iPhone 13? Yeah, France 15 yet and then in like, two years' time they're going to have another update which turns it off, that turns off the off-body <laughs> detection for other models I too. Mean, yeah, I the know, timing but. of this is hilarious. One of the biggest reasons being France made this announcement on the day of the iPhone 15 event which is the same day Apple just stopped selling the iPhone 12 anyway. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they said Apple was going to have to discontinue the product in France and it's like, well... We just did that, so. Well, they were also threatening a recall, right? They wanted, oh, were they threatening a recall? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So they wanted, um, I don't know how far down the 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 line that was, but that was one of the things on the table was that if it was still out of compliance, like basically if Apple couldn't fix it with software, they wanted a recall to happen in France, uh, which is a, would have been a bizarre situation. Uh, but there you are. Apple has done what they need to do to stay in compliance with this random catastrophe that uh, kind of bubbled up the, uh, inconveniently on event week because uh, i'm sure a lot of the french press it look it's bad pr whether it makes any sense yeah. or not right it's bad pr for apple to have headlines that say like the phone is out of compliance with radiation policy in x country it just is even though we already know that radiation of well, that phone produces is different to like x-rays right the the yeah. humans are always safe even at the increased rates that the iphone does on the table it's still safe there's been no study 
done anywhere that suggests that using phones near your head has any impact on your health because of the radiation it produces. It's just completely different. People hear radiation, they think about x-rays, right, which can damage you if you get repeated exposure to x-rays, which is why doctors don't prescribe x-rays very often. Uh, But with phones, it's a completely different situation. No different to, like, the radiation from Wi-Fi, for instance, or anything else, you know, all these other random frequencies that are in the air. Uh, But the French randomly decided last month to crack down on the iphone 12 and <laughs> apple has uh, responded in kind speaking of radiation and what's in the airways real quick you didn't you had an emergency alert test in the uk a few months ago didn't you we did yeah which i didn't get you didn't get it nope that's good you're six dollar so if, if there is an emergency i will be none the wiser <laughs> <laughs> but here in, in the u.s we had it a couple weeks ago and one of the conspiracy theories was that the the waves emitted to to run this countrywide emergency test was going to like infect everybody with 5G, infect us <laughs> with vaccines, and that you should turn off your phone, turn off one one of the viral tweets was like turn off all power to your house, just cut the power at 2:30 p.m. on like the Wednesday and turn it back on like six hours later and you'll be safe. That's that's hilarious. So yeah, these stories about radiation, they do tend to get blown out of proportion just a little bit, even though it's all, there's nothing to it, really. The funniest thing along those lines was when like 5G was threatening to like destroy the world and, you know, upset yeah. the airplanes and everything else. And then it happened oh, and the airplane the airplane thing. started yeah. worrying about 5G towers. It was like, oh my God. God I forgot about that saga. Yeah. yeah, that was hilarious. Um, but speaking of off-body detection... Yes. Uh, in it's... iOS 17.1 beta 3, uh, the phone actually changes the way the action button works slightly when it detects it's next to your head or in your hand or slash in your pocket or on the table. Which is good, I guess. Have people been <laughs> complaining about accidental action button input? I haven't really seen a whole lot of complaints. Yeah, but basically, if it's in your pocket, you now have to press the button in for longer for it to activate the action. So they're trying to avoid the f- accidental input in your pocket. Um but like you say, I don't think many people have complained about it. It's just a nice little enhancement they've made, which I guess affects some people in some occasions. Uh, but it did cause a nice segue from the France topic. I wonder if this would... You remember when we were talking about concert photography, I said I would start pressing the action button as I was pulling it out of my pocket. I wonder if that will slow down this process. Now you have like to hold much, it slightly longer. Yeah. <laughs> but they still haven't added double press or anything like that. So One action for you. I don't think we talked about it on the show, but Federico Vitici has like this multi-button shortcut thing. Did you see this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It comes up like Where a it, menu and you can... Yeah, you can like assign two different things to... The first time you press the action button, then it wait. It brings up a menu where you can do whatever you want to do. Or if you don't press... If you don't choose anything in that menu within a few seconds, press the action button again and it triggers another set of actions. It's wild. I... But I think I've said a few times I struggle to even find one use case for the action button, so <laughs> that's not for me. iOS 17 or iPadOS 17.1 and macOS 14.1 beta 3, they also have some changes to the tap back menu, which are actually kind of useful. So now when you long press or right click on a message in messages, there's like a new little menu that pops up with access to each of the tap, tap backs and other controls for like reply, forward, copy. It looks nice. I don't 
necessarily under cha- understand why this changed. Maybe it's in preparation for like the new stickers stuff that's that has coming. To be right, yeah, yeah. Like, they were work- they're working in that area. That's the feature I'm most looking forward to this fall. Uh, yeah. to be honest, out of the beta season is the the, the basic you can because right now you can on our 17.0 release if you go into the emojis on the keyboard you can drag one out onto the chat window um, yeah and make a sticker that way but what apple has said is that coming later this year you in the tap back menu itself you'll just be able to pick an emoji directly uh, which would be very nice but it's not in 17.1 beta yet um, it may not come until 17.2 but they have changed how the tap back menu is displayed on ipad and mac which Signals to me they're definitely working on it, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. They wouldn't change it otherwise. Because yeah. what we're expecting 17.1 like this month, we're on weekly betas, so we're already on beta 3. So. Yeah, I mean, Apple said double tap comes in October, right. yeah. so it has to come out before uh, the end of the month, which probably means, you know, like either next week or the week after. And yeah. there's a good chance they'll start 17.2 betas like the same week, you know? And yeah. Then- That'll that'll probably be journal app and maybe the emoji stuff. Hopefully, collaborative playlists and Apple. Music oh yeah, that's what too. you want, isn't that's, it? Yeah, the yeah, music playlists. Yeah, still missing. Yeah. But yeah, coming soon. Coming soon. Finally, this week, Happy Hour is brought to you by Urban Armor Gear. Nine to Five Mac is teaming up with Urban Armor Gear to give away Apple's latest iPhone 15 to one lucky reader. Just hit the link in the show notes to enter. Urban Armor Gear create quality, rugged, protective cases for all of your essential devices, including the new range for iPhone 15. Urban Armor Gear is the leading designer of rugged, lightweight mobile device cases and accessories. Crafted in Southern California, their products are the result of obsessive dedication to quality and inspired design. Their latest collection for iPhone 15, 15 Plus, 15 Pro and Pro Max is available now. They raise the bar on Urban Armor Gear's legendary standards for rugged phone protection. Their cases have a strengthened magnet module, making an ultra-secure connection with MagSafe accessories. And there's a wide range of styles, including the clear plyo case with anti-yellowing properties. In fact, their entire range has been updated, including new clear and graphic versions of the Pathfinder case and a totally redesigned Essential Armor case. They offer industry-leading drop protection, an ultralight impact frame, and so much more. So elevate your iPhone 15 protection with Urban Armor Gear. Check them out at urbanarmorgear.com now to discover the perfect case for you. That's urbanarmorgear.com. And don't forget to enter the giveaway to win an iPhone 15. Find the link in the show notes. Thanks again to Urban Armor Gear for sponsoring the show. Another thing in Beta 3, iOS 17.1, that surprised me and I think surprised a lot of people is that that connected card feature that came to the British people across the pond what in beta one or something it Mm -hmm. now is sort of in the united states for discover credit cards so you can link your discover account to the wallet app and view transaction history and your current balance information for your discover credit card but it's only discover and it's only credit cards so apple is working directly with discover on this whereas in the uk there's the open banking API, which we don't have an equivalent of here in the United States, which is why a lot of us didn't think connected cards would come to the United States in any form or fashion anytime soon. Yeah, that was certainly the impression I got as well. So I was kind of surprised uh, when they announced this. Um, But basically, in the UK, there's an API that can standardize it across loader banks. In the US, they're having to make deals with banks individually. So now Discover does it too. 
and uh, un- there is some slight differences to- because of the difference in implementation. So it only works for credit cards, not debit cards. Uh, it's discover only. If you tap on, but if you tap on a transaction in the transaction history, it can actually deep link you into the discover app, which the connected cards in the UK one doesn't do. Um, but on the flip side, connected cards in the UK will show your balance in the wallet app and in the Apple Pay sheet, right? So you can see it at the time uh, of purchase. Yeah. Uh, but for Discover, it does not show it in the Apple Pay sheet. It only shows it in the wallet app. Don't know why, but that's a, that's how it works. <laughs> I'm surprised that it doesn't show things like your payment due date or like the minimum payment required. Does it do that in the UK with no, connected cards? No. no. It should, it should, yeah. Yeah. They're starting small. Because really, because with like American Express and maybe some other banks in the United States, you can see your transaction history, but you can only see like X number of transactions. And you can't see your card balance information and you can't see your credit limit information like you can for Discover. So it's kind of just an expansion of that. But I'm curious to see how fast this will come to other to other card makers. Yeah, it's a nice feature. It's also kind of ironic, too, because Apple doesn't open Apple Card up to anything. Like, as far as I know, you can't link Apple Card to, like, Mint or any, like, budgeting service. But sure, Apple's going to work with Discover and all these They do have some limited Mint integration. They didn't at launch, but they added it later. But Apple expects other banks to work directly with it to improve the functionality in the wallet app, but not vice versa. Just weird. That's Apple. That's Apple. And lastly, this week, we there's a report from Ming-Chi Kuo. I think when I was writing this, it kind of turned into a little bit of a kind of a rant or like an acknowledge, like just discussing the big picture of Ming-Chi Kuo right now and how some of his coverage of Apple and some of his quote unquote leaks or reports have changed over the years or over the past year or two, really. But I think first we can just talk about what this report said which is basically that the 2024 Apple Watch is not going to have any significant technological advances. Knew it. <laughs> yeah, that's why you bought the Series 9. You are Validated. <laughs> 100%. I bought the Series 9 knowing full well there's going to be no changes next year. On I clearly did what I did, clearly did timed it right. Because <laughs> Bloomberg has said the Apple Watch X of some sort is in the works, but the initial Bloomberg report did say 2024 or 2025. So if Quo is right, then 2025 would be the year of the Apple Watch X, even though next year is technically going to be the Apple Watch Series 10. So I wonder how Apple's going to talk itself out of that. But The report also said that the blood glucose monitoring stuff that Apple's been reported to be working on isn't expected to happen in 2024 or 2025. And this is the statement or the sentence in Quo's report that kind of set me off a little bit because no one has said the blood glucose monitoring <laughs> stuff is going to be ready for 2025 or 2024 or probably even until like 2029 or something like yeah bloomberg's mark Gurman has basically put it like end of the decade kind of framing right the most recent bloomberg report said that the current goal is a prototype device about the size of an iphone that can be strapped to your bicep like that's the current goal of the project and they haven't they've hit some apparently hit some like breakthroughs in this work but it's not coming to the apple watch in 2024 2025 no one said that just felt like quo like kind of padding his report a little bit and doing the strategy of 
instead of saying what's happening or what's going to change, saying what's not going to happen. You know what I mean? I know what you mean, yeah. Look, Quo was really, really good. And I don't want to denigrate him too much, right? Because he gave some incredible reporting, especially early on. Like I still remember like 2013, 2014, 2015, in like January, he'd release a report that would literally lay out Apple's entire product roadmap for the entire year, including some very specific details not just like the iPhone's coming in September, like the iPhone's coming here, here's the features it's got, this is what's happening in like the third quarter, the iMac's coming out in June, and it will like almost be all entirely correct when you look back at the end of the year. And you can go back, find those reports, 2013, 2014, 15, and it's like incredible, right? And that's really what gave Quo his stature and his name and his air of credibility. And since then, he's got, he, he kind of stopped doing those big yearly roadmaps, but he still had some pretty good reporting um, you know, over the last like five years, but in the last couple of years, especially time to him leaving KGI, his old place, um, mm-hmm. and then even more so once he started posting on Medium rather than on his um, TF Industries like releases, uh, the stuff he comes out with is you have to take it with much more of a grain of salt rather than just like this is the truth. And in the more recent year, especially this year feel like the reporting's quite empty in terms of what it says like there hasn't been too much i've been like this is ming chi quo saying this originally and it's correct you know it's just like some yeah. vague mm-hmm. descriptions of stuff and look everyone has high points and low points uh, he ming chi quo certainly reported more app exclusive than i have so i don't want to like you know, <laughs> him too much you know what i mean right but like yeah 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 it's just the before i would put like respected app analyst says this when i'm covering his stuff and now it's harder to say that because just the more recent stuff is less less surefire, less accurate, less on point. What I've been wondering is if him leaving KGI and then him, we still don't really know if he's still with TF Securities or not. Last we heard he was, but there hasn't been a single like TF Securities report from him. It's all been on Twitter or on Medium. But I've been, I wonder if leaving those two firms kind of impacted his sources or impacted his prestige if that makes sense so now he has fewer sources and in order to like pad his reports he has to create narratives around what bit of information he has which that narrative building is kind of where things start to fall down like he might have a really good fact about something but in his attempt to spin it a little bit it kind of gets lost and there's also the the language barrier thing where as far as I know, he's still writing primarily in Chinese and just translating it. So that's a factor too. I think one of the worst examples recently is where he said the iPhone 15 Pro overheating was caused by the A17 Pro chip. And basically that the only way Apple could solve the problem was to throttle performance via a software update. And that was not the case by all accounts. iOS 17.0.3 seems to have fixed it. Apple says it was a software bug, and it seems to have fixed it without impacting performance based on the Geekbench results we've seen. It's the narrative building combined with, I think, fewer sources where it's just not as it's not as detail-packed as it used to be. And it feels like there's more opinion that gets exactly, yeah. weaved in. Which is fine. I mean, what do we do? Yeah. We post opinion and stuff, but like, you just have to like contextualize it differently whereas before you could basically t- 
take what he was writing as gospel as being truth you know just being like this is gonna happen oh it didn't happen in march happened in april but it was still dead on you know like yeah not so much anymore like the the report on the apple watch says the apple watch can be integrated with vision pro to create an unparalleled and innovative health management experience to drive shipment momentum for both products further it's like okay it's that's that's like not something that he would have included in his reports a couple years ago. It's a lot of it just feels like padding, right? It's like yeah, maybe he's still employed and he just has to post something every week or whatever, and then like because he doesn't have like legit stuff to write anymore, he just has to come up with some more vagaries. Did you see his report on the Cybertruck? That was an interesting. I didn't. What did he say about the Cybertruck? I, I mean, I did, I saw like him tweet it, but I didn't actually click through. It's basically, I think he was just saying that. There's not going to be a Cybertruck 2 until 2030. <laughs> and that's like, okay. Like, <laughs> he has shipment estimates for the current Cybertruck. And he says the innovative designs of Cybertruck, such as aerodynamic efficiency, are expected to maintain its competitive advantage until 2030. So the all new design Cybertruck 2 will likely not start shipping until 2030. I don't know if people. People say the Cybertruck has an innovative design that gives it a competitive advantage, but it's different to each their own. Yeah, it's different. I, I mean, that's still not shipping, right? <laughs> Cybertruck one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, mm. but I mean, Quo still gets things right. Like he was, I think, the very first to say the iPhone 15 would switch to USB-C, and one of the first to have the Periscope camera rumor. He had the really accurate details about the 2022 MacBook Air design. Mm. but then he kind of impacted that because he said the 2022 macbook air would have m1 which it didn't it had m2 but he still has good sources like the point of my write-up and the point of i think what we're saying here is like the bar is a little bit lower we're not in the golden age anymore (laughs) yeah you need more context and nuance about what he says you need to parse the words a little bit closer and some stuff you can just skip, right? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like in the in the heyday, everything he said was like raw gold. Of like, this is a great Apple story. Nowadays, it's more, you know, return to the mean of just people on Twitter, which is fair enough, but it's just how it is. Anything else on Quo? Apple Watch? You just happy that apparently you're vindicated? Yeah, that's the big takeaway. That's the big takeaway for you. Yeah, exactly. Ignore all the other stuff. My Series Nine is going to be on the cusp of the Apple Watch innovation curve for a while. I still reckon when they do eventually come out with the Apple Watch X, it'll only be for like the big model or something. Oh, yeah. Because uh, we also saw that there was a rumor this week about micro LED, right? That the yeah. that might not come to 2026 for the Apple Watch Ultra, for instance. So the Apple Watch development is just very, very plodding and slow. I think that does it for this week. You can find links in the show notes to everything we talked about. I'm going to put some links to some of my like concert videos and pictures that I posted on the various social networks down there and a link to the images of the weird AI processing from Jason Snell's review that are worth checking out. You can find us in Apple podcasts where you can leave a rating and a review or find an ad free version of the show for $5 a month or $50 a year. I am on Twitter, Mastodon threads at chance H Miller and Mayo. Where are you? BZA Mayo. All right. Thanks, Mayo. Bye-bye.